Greetings, everyone. I'm Jeffrey K. Lyons. It's back to school in New York City, where they're welcoming 21,000 new students that are children of immigrants and illegal migrants. And a new poll signals imminent doom for America's favorite ice cream eating, hair sniffing president. And on an encouraging note, Huntington Beach, California, well, they've passed a city ordinance to forbid mandatory masking and vaccinations. And finally, one third of Americans refuse to be vaccinated. And that's a statistic which was actually predicted back in 1961 by a researcher named Stanley Milgram. All of this and the bigger picture on today's edition of Narrative Wars. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons, and you don't want to miss this. We the people are sick and tired. Let's peel back the curtain of confusion to shed light upon the mainstream media madness. And now, Narrative Wars. With your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired. So tired. Well, we begin today with this piece about New York City schools where it's back to school in America's largest school district with over 900,000 students in New York City. Uh, They are the biggest district in the nation, and now they've gained another additional 21,000 students. Um, And many of these are asylum seekers, uh, students that are children of illegal immigrants. And they just recently started. Uh, Let's take a listen to this piece, and this is Cut number one. The nerves and anticipation associated with the first day of school are taking on a new dimension in classrooms across America tonight amid a growing number of arriving migrant families seeking asylum here and presenting school systems with unique challenges to teaching and learning. New York City today with its 900,000 student enrollment welcoming an additional 21,000 migrant children into classrooms as its school year got underway. New York, one of many cities struggling to house and resettle an influx of asylum seekers, at times pleading for more federal help. Now, as New York works to absorb and educate so many new students at once, its mayor, Eric Adams, declaring yesterday the migrant issue will destroy New York City. Rahema Ellis covers education for us and has more. On opening day, kids rushing into the largest school system in the country, and it just got even bigger, with 21,000 new children of asylum seekers also starting classes today in New York. Mayor Eric Adams is frustrated with the steady wave of migrants. He says the city is overwhelmed, with 10,000 arriving a month, straining city services and creating a desperate need for help from Washington. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Whoa, and that's Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, who said New York is a sanctuary city. Come on in. Well, now we got flip-flopping Mayor Eric Adams, who is saying that New York City is hosed. New York City is going to be destroyed. Hmm. Pretty interesting how that happened. 
that flip flop from Mayor Eric Adams. Well, again, New York City has 900,000 students. It's the largest school district in the United States of America, covering grades K through 12. And there's 21,000 new migrant students, illegal migrants coming into the country. But you notice in this piece, they don't call them migrants. They call them asylum seekers because that's the secret phrase. If you say you're an asylum seeker, just come right on in. And they train them to say that asylum seeker. They may not be able to speak much English, but they learn that phrase and it's an open door. New York is pleading now for more federal funds to house these illegal immigrants. Well, is that any surprise? I mean, when you say we are a sanctuary city, uh, just come right in, ask no questions, free stuff, free housing, free this, free that. Yeah, they're going to get inundated. And apparently they're coming at the rate of 10,000 illegal aliens per month. That's a lot of people. And things are really going to be different once the cold sets in because it can get very cold in New York City. So for those uh, illegals that are sleeping uh, outside, uh, they're going to have to come in somewhere. So that's going to be another crisis, humanitarian crisis, uh, that is going to need to be addressed once things get cold this coming winter. If you've ever traveled to a foreign country, and I have, you can't just walk into a foreign country without a passport, without identification. You can't just walk in and stay there. But apparently... You can in the United States of America. We have a open policy, a open border policy at the southern border, and we're being invaded to the tunes of millions of illegals coming in. And we don't know where they are. And we have a lawless president of the United States, a lawless hair-sniffing, ice-cream-eating, hide-in-the-basement, go on vacation president who really doesn't give a, a rip about protecting the United States, protecting the borders. And uh, this is what you get. This, you get an overwhelming human exodus of human beings flooding the borders. And uh, for those governors in those southern states who've decided, well, you know, let's just share the love. And they hire buses and they transport them up to New York City and other cities around the country that say, you know, the virtue signal and say, hey, look at us. We're going to be a sanctuary city. Oh, okay, well, let's just take them up on their word. But when they come in at the rate of 10000 a month into New York City, suddenly the the mayor of New York City, he changes his tune. And he suddenly says, oh, it's going to destroy, it's going to ruin, it's going to break New York City. He should have thought about that when he virtue signaled and declared New York as a sanctuary city. Oops. Oops. It made a nice soundbite, didn't it? But um, not going so well now, is it? Here's another follow-up story. 
My worst nightmare. Thousands of illegal immigrants flood New York City schools on first day. This is town hall. And interesting that they use the term illegal immigrants. And of course, this is a conservative news outlet. And so they're not afraid to use that sort of uh, verbiage. On Thursday, the line to get inside Newcomers High School, Long Beach Island City, it wrapped around the block and forced some students to a facility across the street because, surprise, surprise, the building's maximum capacity had been reached. Now, one student, Alexander Gonzalez, said it was a nightmare. In fact, his worst nightmare. Quote, I wanted to get in here early because I'm new. I'm going to be lost, and so are all these guys. I think they should have let them come a day before. I hate being stuck in crowds, and this is definitely my worst nightmare. I'm just going crazy, he says. And prior to the start of the new school year, teachers were given a pathetic memo on how to handle new illegal immigrant 48 hours before the first day of school, they get a two-page piece of paper that says, you know, we're not going to help you, not going to give you school supplies, not going to help you with language barriers, and you're on your own. So this is the kind of support that Mayor Adams and the Department of Education in New York City is giving their teachers in New York. All because... They are a sanctuary city. Well, moving to our next piece, uh, there's a CNN poll out there. This spells doom for, uh, again, our favorite hair-sniffing, ice-cream-eating POTUS. This is from The Hill, September 9, 2023. Michael LaRosa, Amber Athey. They react to recent Democratic 2024 polling. Let's take a listen to this. This is cut number two. A new bombshell poll spells bad news for President Joe Biden. A CNN poll conducted between August 25th to August 31st shows a large percentage of voters are concerned about President Biden's age and data that showed most GOP primary candidates fared well in hypothetical matchups with Biden. It's actually worse than that. They all beat him. Every single one, I think it was every single one except Vivek. Though that doesn't look very good, does it? No, no, it doesn't look very good. We continue. The poll also found that 46% of registered voters said any Republican presidential nominee would be better than Biden in next year's election. And 49% said Biden's age was their biggest concern about him as a candidate in 2024. Here's CNN's Harry Enten breaking down the data. Let's watch. Within the margin of error, no clear leader. Donald Trump, 47%. Joe Biden, 46%. They're basically in a statistical tie. But what I will note was there was not a single poll conducted by CNN during the entire 2020 cycle in which Donald Trump got a higher share of the vote than Joe Biden did. So this is a vastly different picture oh. from what we saw four years ago. That is some very interesting context. Oh, that's very interesting. You mean uh, our chosen leader? The, the one we salute to uh, during every uh, broadcast here at CNN, uh, he's, he's actually losing? Uh, that's not supposed to happen. That's against the narrative. 
Well, this was a CNN poll, August 25th to August 31st. And Trump had 47%, Biden had 46 And what we just heard was that not a single poll in the 2020 cycle showed Trump with the higher poll numbers than Biden. And if you remember, Trump was winning that election handsomely, about to be reelected as president of the United States until suddenly, in the middle of the night, on election night, multiple polling locations, Georgia and other states, oh, they shut down. Oh, there was a little water leak. Oh, it was, I don't know, some other small emergency. Somebody kicked a plug on the copy machine. And then the cardboard went up on the windows. The poll watchers were kicked out. And then somehow in the middle of the night, trucks pulled up. And this is documented. You can see these videos. Trucks pulled up in the middle of the night at certain polling locations. Ballots were unloaded. Ballots that were supposed to be mailed in had no creases. Not sure how that happens since the envelope dictates a crease be made in the ballot in order to mail it in. And then when morning happened, surprise, surprise, Mr. Biden was winning. Well, it's much more difficult to cheat with unchallenged drop box voting and other maneuvers when the race is not close. Oh, you mean it's going to be even more difficult to cheat in 2024 if Trump is on the ballot than it was in 2020 because voters are not happy with Mr. Biden? This is why Democrats are losing their minds right now and beginning to throw Biden under the bus and beginning to actually admit that the Hunter Biden laptop from hell actually was legit. And now the mainstream media even is finally admitting, they started admitting about a year ago, that the Hunter Biden laptop from hell is legit. And all of this is gaining momentum. The Burisma debacle in Ukraine, the funny money, the tens of millions of dollars being channeled to the Biden family through many different front organizations in order to launder the money to the big guy. You know, the big guy. Zogby says, catastrophic disaster brewing for the Biden re-election. This was Washington Examiner, September 8, 2023. And this is a Democrat pollster, John Zogby. And he says he sees a disaster around the corner for the re-election of Joe Biden. Quote, this new poll is catastrophic for the president, unquote, says Zogby, who anchors the liberal desk in the Secrets Weekly White House report card published on Saturdays. And that's the same poll that CNN was referring to. So, are they going to throw Mr. Biden under the bus? Are they going to find a way or just allow the Republicans to 
come up with enough backbone to impeach Biden so that they can trot out another candidate to run against Mr. Trump? We will see. But it is getting very interesting here as this polling is coming out and as the Democrat pollsters and the talking heads at CNN and the other mainstream left-wing networks are losing it over this information. Narrative Wars continues to expand its audience, both in the United States and internationally. We just passed the 3,000 program download mark a few weeks ago, and we want to thank you, our loyal listeners. We understand that you could choose to do other things with your time, and we honor your commitment to free speech, American values that still make us proud to be living in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Well, it's time for a little heart-to-heart talk, and I wanted to say that some of you may have been wondering, why did we start Narrative Wars in the first place? Well, I was a professor of communication studies for 10 years at three different universities. At the same time, I'm a person of faith. So the purpose of Narrative Wars is to confront the mainstream media madness by exposing the lies and the gaslighting that permeates the legacy media. In addition, we dare to view current events through a Judeo-Christian lens unapologetically. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that the Bible is still living, it's active, and that it brings clarity to the human condition. We're living more than 2,000 years after a homeless Jewish rabbi named Jesus walked this planet. He lived, he taught, he healed multitudes, he died, and he rose from the dead. He was truly God in the flesh. Therefore, it should be no surprise that we proclaim the following here at Narrative Wars, unapologetically. There are only two genders. Marriage is an institution created by God. Children are created in the image of God. And abortion is both evil and wrong. Today, postmodernism, constructivism, queer theory, gender studies, and a multitude of other academic fields, they remain antithetical to the Judeo-Christian ethic. It's this moral and existential drift towards syncretism, humanism, narcissism, scientism, atheism, and more that this program is dedicated to confronting. Well, finally, a big shout out to those listeners who are now following us on Getter and X, formerly known as Twitter, I enjoy receiving your feedback and reading some of them on the air. Again, you can follow us on Getter and X, formerly known as Twitter, by going to at Jeffrey K. Lyons. For more information, visit our website at narrativewars.org. That's narrativewars.org. Also, when you listen to us on your favorite podcasting app, please five-star rate, follow 
and send our podcast link to two to three like-minded friends. And that's how we continue to expand the Narrative Wars posse. We truly appreciate your support. You are the reason why we do this program. And now, let's continue. Moving on to our next piece, and this has to do with Orange County. And in Orange County, we have a city, Huntington Beach, California. The Huntington Beach City Council, well, they narrowly voted. It was a four, I believe it was a four to three vote. So they narrowly got this thing passed and they went into like three in the morning debating this measure. The city of Huntington Beach, California, narrowly voted to ban any future masking or COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Let's take a listen to this. And this is cut number three. Orange County reporter David Gonzalez is live in Huntington Beach with more on why local officials want to impose those bans just as COVID cases are rising. David? Ellen, that meeting where they discussed this ban lasted until three this morning. Those in favor of banning mask and vaccine mandates for city employees here in the city of Huntington Beach say they're trying to protect individual liberties, while those against it say it's just simply not necessary. City should ban broad universal mask and vaccine mandates by declaring the city to be a no mask, no vaccine mandate city. My issue is why are we talking about this? Months after the World Health Organization declared an end to the COVID-19 pandemic, the city of Huntington Beach voted four to three to stop future mask and vaccine requirements for city employees and first responders. It's just a matter of when is it going to come? And if it does, we want to be prepared. We want to be prepared to protect our residents, our businesses, our first responders. Even though COVID-19 cases have gone up recently across SoCal, council members against a resolution say it is not needed. This item was a distraction, but it just seems like it's a made up thing that, you know, we might as well pass a a ban against giants or UFOs or something. It's just as nonsense. Right now, Huntington Beach policy doesn't require masks for city staff. This is 100% about uh, protecting our individual liberties. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you want to wear two, three masks, that's fine. If you want to get vaccinated, boosted, it should be up to you. The government should not impose these broad mandates on us. Well, I have to say, Huntington Beach, California, You are the city of the week. Yeah. City of the week. Great job, Huntington Beach, California, upholding the rights of citizens. Listen, this is a non sequitur straw man argument. Oh, we we don't see any need for this. Uh, Well, this is like uh, uh, banning unicorns and and, uh, fairies and... uh, and gremlins under the couch. Oh, why are they going to do this? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, the city of Huntington Beach, California, they were fooled once, but they're not going to stand for being fooled twice. And these people love mandates. Why? Because laws are suspended, it increases their power. And make no mistake about it, it's all about power. It's all about raw power. 
They don't care about the health of citizens. That's not at the top of their list. What they want is power. What they want is to get reelected. What they want is their jobs and their titles. What they want is to look important, feel important, and be treated special, have a name on a door, have a salary. That's what they really want. So good on Huntington Beach, California. And if they had to go all the way to three in the morning in order to get this thing passed, then that's what it takes. So fantastic job. Couple other observations here. Huntington Beach, I really like this. This is this is catchy, and I hope this goes around the country. They're declaring themselves as a no mask, no mandate city. No mask, no mandate city. Now keep in mind there were other cities the first time around that were no mask, no mandate. But now we need to proactively get this done, get this passed all over the United States of America. No mask, no mandate cities. I think it's a great idea. Well, now moving on to our next piece. Why are many healthcare workers refusing to get the COVID-19 vaccine? Now, we're going to dive it back a little bit. February 10th, 2021, there was a survey. The Kaiser Family Health Foundation found 29% of healthcare workers likely would not get the vaccine. Now, why are we dialing back to 2021? Because all of this, we need to keep it in mind. According to Kaiser Family Foundation, 29% of healthcare workers, they refuse the vaccine. And what's interesting in follow-up studies, that same percentage we're going to find out exists today. It really has not changed. Let's take a listen to this. This is cut number 4A. So why would healthcare workers considered at high risk refuse the vaccine? Well, here's our why guy. The COVID-19 vaccine has many across the country anxiously awaiting their turn. For healthcare workers at the front of the line, many face the needle with thanks. What's so great about it is I'm feeling really hopeful still, right? Not everyone is so eager to roll up their sleeve. Yay, just roll up your sleeve and give me the jab. I don't know what the hell's in it, but just give it to me. Oh, I feel so hopeful. Let's continue. Many of the people who care for the elderly and ill considered at high risk of encountering COVID-19 are hesitant. Some doctors and nurses in Georgia have indicated they may not get the vaccine for a year or more. A survey by the Kaiser Family Foundation found 29% of the healthcare workers questioned likely would not get the vaccine. Let's look at the reasons why. That Kaiser survey found that more than half of all Americans have concerns that the vaccine is too new. Despite clinical trials that found no serious side effects from the vaccine, 59% of Americans worry about just that. Dr. Shanta DeBay of Georgia State University School of Public Health says it's reasonable that the attitudes of healthcare workers would reflect those of the rest of the country. Healthcare workers, although again, they're on the front lines, they're also people. <laughs> Even though they're in healthcare, and basically have that knowledge, they're going to have their own trepidation. 
healthcare workers, uh, well, <laughs> they're also people and they actually have a brain and they don't want to take the jab either, just like 30% of America, because guess what? They don't trust it because nobody's ever taken an mRNA vaccine, something that tinkers with your genetics in your body. Nobody's ever done that. This has never been given out in the history of mankind to billions of people. Never. So we don't know what's going to happen. So <laughs> healthcare workers, I guess they're just like other people. And, and even though they're healthcare workers, you know, for some reason, they're not following the narrative and they're not listening to the signals that are coming down that they might lose their jobs if they don't take the jab. But it's okay, we can apply other pressures to them. This was a Kaiser Family Health Foundation survey. And again, it was, it was done back in February of 21. But the survey found that 29% of healthcare workers, well, they likely would not get a jab. People were worried that the vaccine's too new. You're darn straight. It was too new. Never has been given out in the history of mankind to billions of people all over the planet. Yeah, but just roll up your sleeve because we're hopeful. Perfectly safe. Here's an article from The Hill, February 10th, 2021. 30% of Americans say they won't get the COVID-19 vaccine. Here's another one. Reuters. Now we jump forward all the way to May 1st, 2023. Well, surely by May 1st, 2023, we're in September of 2023 now. It's far from March of 2020 when all this COVID debacle broke out, this pandemic problem. One third of U.S. nurses plan to quit the profession, survey says. Reuters, May 1st, 2023. They're quitting. They feel overwhelmed. They feel fatigued. Survey of over 18,000 nurses conducted by AMN Healthcare Services, Inc. This was conducted in January of 2023. It showed that 30% of the participants are looking to quit their career. And this is up seven percentage points over 2021, which means 23% were looking to quit back in 2021. So not only do we find that 30% of nurses don't want to take the jab, but now fast forward to 2023, 30% of the nurses want to quit, probably because they felt pressured to take this thing. So, you know, I wondered, well, what's the progress as a nation? Where are we? So I, I looked it up. USA Facts, updated May the 10th, 2023. USA Facts website. What does it show? What it shows in the US is that only 68% of the dosages have been used. So they're not taking them. Close to 30% of the population, they are refusing to be fully vaccinated.
Well, in this final piece, we're going to take a look at a study that was done way back in 1961. This was done by Stanley Milgram. So let me give you a bit of a background here. Uh, Stanley Milgram was a researcher. He was Harvard educated. He had a PhD. He was an American social psychologist. And he was curious. He wanted to find out why did the German people comply? Why did they go along with the series of events that led up to the Jewish Holocaust? So he put together a rather ingenious experiment. The experiment had different variations, but the basic setup for the experiment was that there were three people. There's a teacher, there's a learner, and there's an expert in a white coat. Now, an ad went out to solicit participants. Two people came in and said they responded. The expert in the white coat gave them pieces of paper and they, they selected the paper. And one of them became the teacher, the other became the learner. What the teacher did not realize was that both pieces of paper said teacher. The learner was an actor. So the teacher is in a room and he's next to a panel with a bunch of switches that say voltage, which increases from left to right. The learner was supposed to study relationships between words and, and it was basically a, a memory test. And if the person got the answers correct, they moved on to the next question. Of course, they went through these questions and answers prior. Many of you have taken these sort of memory tests. Similar tests are still given out today where they give you a series of words and then, well, how many of those words do you remember? And then you have to say them as many as you can within a period of time. That's one variation of it. But in this case, the teacher would ask a question and the learner had to give a response. And if the learner got the response wrong, then a shock was administered. And the expert would continue to tell the teacher, you have to continue with the experiment. You have to uh, give the learner the shocks if they get the wrong answers. And the learner would be protesting and screaming as the voltage went up and up and up. Let me out, let me out. What the teacher did not understand was that the learner was an actor. There was no shock being produced, no shock being inflicted, no shock being felt. The purpose of the experiment was to find out if the person sitting in the teacher's seat would say, no, I'm not going to continue. And interestingly enough, this experiment found, and this was back in 1961, that 30%, that same number, that refused to take the jab during 2021, during the COVID pandemic, that same percentage of nurses and other medical personnel that are quitting the medical profession, 30%, that's the amount that refused to go on, even when the man in the white coat, who was not a doctor, encouraged them to continue. Let's take a listen to this. This is cut number 4B. Participants didn't know that the learner was really an actor and the so-called sharks harmless. 
You're gonna get a shock. 180 volts. I'm responsible for anything that happens here. Continue, please. All right, next one. Slow. Walk, dance, truck, music. Two-thirds of volunteers were prepared to administer a potentially fatal electric shock when encouraged to do so by what they perceived as a legitimate authority figure. In this case, a man in a white coat. 375 volts. I think something's happened to that fellow in there. I don't get no answer. He was hollering a less voltage. Can't you check in and see if he's all right, please? Milgram's findings horrified America. They showed that decent American citizens were as capable of committing acts against their conscience as the Germans had been under the Nazis. So, human behavior really has not changed a whole lot since 1961. Fast forward. 2020, 2021, up until the present, 2023. Two-thirds comply, but 30%, 30% say, no, not going to do it. And now let's take a look at the bigger picture. Again, I applaud the city of Huntington Beach, California. Good job, you guys. Good job, council members, for passing the recent no mass, no mandatory vaccine policy. This is a healthy first step for our nation. And hopefully, as we mentioned earlier, this will catch on and spread like fire across America, from sea to shining sea. I remember once when I was an undergraduate student at a large state university. I was on campus, and they were giving out free flu shots. And guess what? I rolled up my sleeve. Gosh, I don't think I was even 20. I rolled up my sleeve and let them give me one of those flu shots. I went along. And then the next few days, I was sick, and my arm was sore. And that soured me to the idea of future flu shots, which to this day, I do not take. According to Healthline.com, the range of flu shot effectiveness was between 39%, and that was 2019 to 2020 season, to as high as 48% as 2015 to 2016. In other words, if you don't take the flu shot, there's about a 50% chance that you don't need it at all because it's not effective. Now, of course, you could also argue that, well, there's at least a 50% chance that it will help me. Yeah, you could argue with that. And sure, you could probably say that there's a 50% chance that a lot of things could be correlated with being beneficial, including eating chicken soup. But remember, correlation does not mean causation. That's a fundamental principle in clinical statistics. Again, I have to say that I am not a medical doctor, and we do not give out medical advice on this program. I'm just giving you an example from my own life. I took a flu shot. I got really sick. 
I wasn't even 20, and I don't take flu shots anymore. And these statistics, you can look them up yourself. The efficacy of flu shots. Just go yourself to healthline.com. Well, then I began to reflect on the Stanley Milgram experiment of 1961. I looked at the fact that there was a 30% non-compliance figure. And that's exactly what happened with the COVID vaccine scenario. 30% of nurses today are going to quit the nursing profession. And 30% of nurses refuse to take the vaccine during the pandemic. And if you're interested in diving deeper into the Stanley Milgram study. We did cover this in the past on Narrative Wars, and that was our May 23rd, 2023 episode of Narrative Wars. And we dig a little deeper, so you can go back in our archives and take a listen to that program if you want to dig in deeper and learn more about the Milgram experiment. The experiment was basically a test of compliance and authority. And remember, the authority figure in the experiment never said he was a doctor, never said he was a medical doctor. He was just a man in a white coat posing as an expert. Can you think of a time when you refused to go along with a narrative? Can you think of a time when you refused to comply with the directives of an authority figure, possibly a man in a white coat, because you did not trust the person or because you did not feel you had sufficient amount of information at the time to make an informed decision because of those doubts, possibly you said no. One of the key criticisms of the COVID vaccine debate is the term informed consent. Do you feel that you were given adequate information regarding the risks involved in taking the vaccine? Did you understand the possible side effects? Ever listen to those creepy big pharma TV ads? You see smiling people who take the latest drug to cure the latest disease? Do you ever pay attention to the disclosures at the end of the ad? Sometimes they include the possibility of heart attack or death. Does that ever bother you? It bothers me. Those disclosures at the end of pharmaceutical television commercials, well, they're there because they're required by law. On this side of the pandemic, I've had dozens of conversations with people who've told me stories about COVID shot side effects that they had personally or side effects that their co-workers experienced. One salesperson in a furniture store told my wife and I that her co-worker was wheeled out of the store on an office chair because her co-worker took the vaccine an hour before coming to work and then that person fell on the floor. The co-worker was paralyzed, unable to walk, unable to move her arms just an hour or so after she took a vaccine. A family friend came to pick her up 
I don't know why this saleswoman told us this story. I didn't ask her if she knew anyone who was vaccine injured. She just told my wife and I the story. Apparently, she was so traumatized that she had to tell someone the next day. We were just in a furniture store thinking about buying some furniture. And out came this story. And that was around the middle of 2021 that this happened. Recently, I went to a football game and I spoke with an airline flight attendant. And she said she took the jab to keep her job. I asked her if she ever detected any side effects. She immediately told me that she's had tingling in her fingers and toes and unusual and persistent headaches, which she's never had before. Well, I've had chemotherapy and doctors have told me that tingling of fingers and toes is a well-known symptom of nerve damage for patients who've received chemotherapy. But this flight attendant, she didn't receive chemotherapy. A few years ago, I was looking for a new doctor. I needed a new personal care physician. My former PCP quit suddenly. And it was during the pandemic of 2021. I don't know why that other doctor quit, but I needed a new one. So I went on a hunt for a new doctor. The new doctor, well, I, you know, I made an appointment with another doctor. And the new doctor asked me if I had a COVID vaccine. I said, nope, not interested. And he immediately said, it was almost as if, I pushed a button. Out came this response. I feel so sorry for you. Three of my patients died. They didn't take the vaccine. They're gone. I immediately thought, what a schmuck. He's trying to intimidate me with fear. Of course, I never said that. Instead, I said, well, did you prescribe ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or other medications to your patients? Zinc? D3? And then I said, I had COVID. And I took those medications with others. Here I am. I'm fine. He quickly turned his back on me and he ran out the door. It was almost as if I announced, hey, doctor, I'm radioactive. Or it's as if I announced, hey, doctor, Good to see you today. I'm a recovering axe murderer and I need a new doctor. Of course, I never said those things, but he really did go running out the door. As soon as I mentioned the unmentionable medicines, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Can't say that. It's against the narrative. And he scrambled. Well, apparently this doctor was not interested in actually practicing medicine. He was only interested in pursuing and submitting to the narrative. Quote, take the COVID vaccine, unquote. Doctors must comply with the WHO. Doctors must comply with the mainstream media narrative. Well, we parted ways that day and I've never seen that doctor again. You know, there comes a time in all of our lives when we'll either demand that 
we have bodily autonomy or will allow the medical experts to poke, to prod, to draw blood, to scan, to cut, to run tests and do all sorts of things to our bodies in order to, quote, help us. In 2019, I faced one of the most difficult crossroads of my life. I was diagnosed with cancer, which was in my throat, the lower tongue. The doctor that first diagnosed the cancer, well, he sent me to the oncologist. That's pretty normal. When I got to the oncologist, he said, quote, we're going to start you with chemo as soon as we can, but before we begin... We need to schedule you for surgery this next week. We're going to cut a hole in your neck and insert a tube. Of course, he didn't say it that way. Tracheotomy or tracheostomy, some kind of doctor words like that. And then we also need to cut a hole in your stomach, put in a feeding tube. I said, nope, not going to let you do that. Stood up, walked out of his office. I never saw him again. By a miracle of God, we were able to change insurance in a few weeks. My wife, her medical plan just happened to be an open enrollment. I wasn't aware of that, but I asked her, can we change? And she said, yep. And so we did. I changed to a better plan. We sought treatment in a different state. We got to that other state. I was treated. I opted for something called proton therapy. It's a form of targeted radiation. It minimizes damage to other tissues in the body. And believe you me, there are a lot of critical tissues in the neck. In fact, the surgeon that I talked to at this other facility, he said, nope, sorry, can't operate and take out that cancer that is in your body, the lower tongue, down your throat. I said, well, why not? Can't you just cut it out and we're done with it? He said, well, no, I just won't do it. I said, why? He said, well, if we cut it out, you'll never speak again and you'll never be able to swallow and eat food again. And I said, good call. We're not going to do that. So the other options were... Proton therapy, which is targeted radiation. We already talked about that. And chemo. The treatment was difficult, and, but within six months, I was declared to be cancer-free. I actually underwent 33 radiation treatments, and it took about two months. After that two-month treatment, I had lost 30 pounds. I looked like hell, but I was cancer-free. I was alive. Thank God. Later, I learned that if the first set of doctors had cut my neck to put in a tube, I would not have qualified for proton therapy, which saved my life. And the moral of my story is, don't let them cut you without doing more research. I did have some chemotherapy, but it wasn't working out for me. I was in such bad shape that I was losing five pounds a week. My red blood cell count was crashing below normal. And then I finally refused further chemo treatment. The doctors argued with me. The oncologists weren't happy 
One nurse even yelled at me. I told her, I don't want the chemo. It's carcinogenic. Give me some different chemo medicine. She shouted back, all the chemo medicine is carcinogenic. Wow. I guess I pushed her button. I never saw her again. I think she avoided me. I finally learned what the magic words are to say in a hospital. If you want to stop a particular course of treatment, well, in my case, I had enough chemo drugs and I felt that the chemo was going to kill me before the cancer did or would. So I was going to stick with the proton therapy, which is what I did. And I dropped the chemo. I also thought that it was a bit weird that the nurses that gave the chemotherapy to patients, they were wearing masks, hazmat clothing, and there were all these crazy signs in the room. They called them infusion centers. That's where you got the chemo in the arm. There were signs in the room, warnings about how to dispose of hazardous, dangerous chemicals and I could see the looks of anxiety on the faces of the other patients that were also receiving chemotherapy. And as I mentioned, after a few doses of chemo, I was experiencing horrific side effects, loss of weight, five pounds a week. I had to call it quits. I told my oncologist, I know my medical rights as a patient. I refuse to receive any further treatment with the medicine that you are prescribing. And the doctor just said, okay. He stood up and he left the exam room and that was that. If you know what to say, they back off. What was particularly weird was that no matter what I would say prior to this, I get the same response from other oncologists. Quote, this is the gold standard we could give you something else, but it's not going to be as effective, unquote. It was like a button that was being pushed, and they all said the same thing, like a scripted response, almost robotic. It was predictable. But fortunately, I found out what to say. I know my medical rights as a patient. I, re I refuse to receive any further treatment. They backed off. Well, concluding, I am not recommending to anyone that you refuse medicine or any treatment that is being prescribed by your doctor. That's a private conversation between you and your physician. All I'm saying is that this is what happened to me during my cancer treatment. I'm cancer-free today. I'm alive today. And because I'm alive, I can tell you my story. And I don't care if it sounds cliche or not. I thank my Heavenly Father for every day that I have on this earth. And I thank God that I have this opportunity to be a part of your lives by sharing my story. Thank you for listening. Until next time for Narrative Wars. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired. So tired.